0: There's recently been a rapid increase in the awareness of cybersecurity that hasn't always been matched with a real clear understanding of what it means to have a a practical and sustained cybersecurity program. Hello,
1: I'm David Gillen with Sodexo, where I oversee client experience, Strategy and our channel partnerships. I'm your host for today's Powering Human Care podcast series, where we will be discussing cybersecurity, its implications within healthcare, and talk about ways you can join Sodexo in taking action to ensure lives aren't at risk and personal health information is protected. Joining me today is Chris Faulkner, who's an experienced leader with a demonstrated history of working to align cybersecurity and patient safety initiatives. That protect patient safety and privacy, but also mitigate disruptions that can have a negative impact on clinical outcomes and the overall patient experience. Thanks for joining me today, Chris. Let's jump in here, work with me, and walk with me, uh, and take this audience through your personal and professional journey that led you ultimately to
0: focusing on healthcare technology and cybersecurity. Yeah, hi David, and thank you so much uh, for having me here. I, I'm really excited uh, to be able to share some of my experience and, and observations in cybersecurity, particularly in healthcare, as uh, I've uh, seen it expand and and really kind of grow up uh, over the past uh, couple of decades here. Uh, so I've always been very close to large, high cost, high tech technology projects. Um, Spent a lot of time doing device integration. So looking at interoperability of medical devices, connecting them to the hospital network so that data can flow from the device to the electronic health record, the electronic medical record. Um, Obviously, workflow enhancements, clinical features and efficiencies through that work. And it really got me thinking about you know, all the great benefits, but what are some of the downstream uh, risks we might be creating by connecting these devices? Um, And that really led me into the cybersecurity space. It's wonderful that we're connecting all these devices to the hospital network and seeing all the benefits from that. But what we weren't talking about at the time was the cybersecurity risk that we were creating by putting all of these medical devices on the network. And so as I went down that path and I got really invested in solving that problem, and as we saw, cybersecurity really became a big focus for healthcare around 2013, 2014, um, through the work at Kaiser, got a lot of experience, lessons learned along the way in terms of standing up and, and sustaining a cybersecurity program. And now with Sodexo, um, very, very proud of the work we do to help many, many hospitals start Somewhere start with cybersecurity, and where they start is a little bit different for every organization. Um, and and really help them build out and mature their cybersecurity practices. So, as I said over the years, I I sort of uh, worked my way into more of the IT and cybersecurity space, and very happy to be here. Perfect. Well, thanks for that, Chris. And, and and I'll tell you,
1: you know, it it's the journey you just described reminds me of most of my friends and colleagues who have sort of migrated as healthcare and healthcare delivery has evolved. And certainly technology has evolved significantly creating new opportunities, but also new challenges. And so your journey is very reflective of, of what I've seen a lot of individuals go through. You mentioned a number of different terms, you know, clinical equipment, maintenance, healthcare, technology, maintenance. Um, I think about terms like healthcare, IT security, or you talked about cyber security as a term. I've Googled these. I'm sure many folks have. And, and when you do, you find some pretty broad definitions. I see lots of references to something called Internet of Things or IOT. I see some scary stories of what can happen if there's a vulnerability in a particular IT system or a medical device. I, and I I wonder, from a layperson's standpoint, is, is this like when you hear someone talk about a phishing scheme that resulted in them getting their identity stolen? Or getting fraud on their credit card. I mean, could you, from your sort of perspective, bring this down a notch and, and really put this all into perspective for me. I mean, what are some real threats that people should know about and, and why should they be concerned about
0: healthcare IT vulnerabilities? I'm curious what you think. I love that question, David. Um, and, and there is so much information out there, you know, Googling cybersecurity, as you said, you, you just come up with all sorts of, uh, you know, scary information. There, there's no shortage of stories out there. We see cybersecurity in the news more and more, um, w- which generally is a good thing. We want there to be a, a heightened awareness of cybersecurity because because it is an important topic. And certainly Sodexo and other HTM uh, programs out there are are really doing our best to make these devices, medical devices, as secure as possible. But then over the past 25 years or so, as technology has really evolved, we've started to see devices and technologies that were really not originally designed or intended to be connected to the network, but are now able to connect. And we see it everywhere. It, at In your home, You have TVs, smart TVs, you have cars now Uh, for those Tesla drivers out there. You've got, you know, cars that are connected to the network, Um, you know, in any building, you have elevators and escalators, you have HVAC systems. All of these are connected to some network. And certainly in healthcare, we have medical devices that just over the past 25, 20 years or so, uh, have Really, we've seen more and more of these devices connecting to the network. And all of these uh, devices that are now connecting, the stuff that's out in the field, not the stuff that's sitting in an IT closet somewhere, but the stuff that's out in the field, we really refer to as Internet of Things. And the Internet of Things realm or the sphere is is really expanding as more and more things become connected to the network. Uh, And we're certainly seeing that with medical devices. Over the next five years, we expect to see uh, that upwards of 70 to 75% of medical devices on the market will have the capability to be connected to the network, right? So that's, that's an astonishing number, right? That's the vast majority of medical devices in the hospital potentially being connected to the network. So the big question then becomes, are these devices vulnerable? To cyber attacks? Absolutely, yes. These devices that are connected to the network, it doesn't really matter if it's a, a small medical instrument or if it's a large IT server. If those devices are connecting to the hospital network, they are vulnerable. I always like to say everybody's swimming in the same pool, right? All of these devices in the hospital are connected to the same network. We're all swimming in the same pool. So if there are piranhas in the water, any one of these devices could potentially be attacked uh, or bitten, I guess, by the piranhas. And so we have to think about the security on a medical device just as much, sometimes even more importantly, than we think about the cybersecurity on that IT server or, uh, or, or, or any other computer or laptop. So we think about vulnerabilities It really talks about, we think about um, how likely is this device to be attacked. Um, You know, you mentioned phishing, which is obviously a a high concern for organizations. Um, We have a lot of employees that are using email. So at volume, it's what we would call a high attack surface. It's relatively easy by the numbers to get somebody to click that link um and uh, and of course that that creates a high likelihood of of an attack. What I actually worry more about is more sophisticated attacks that are really creating havoc and 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 impacting patient care in the hospital, things like ransomware, which is really not the only major attack or type of attack that that we're concerned about, but is one of the more serious types of cybersecurity event or attacks that, that we try and advise and help our, our healthcare customers stay ahead of. You know, essentially a ransomware attack is where a hospital's critical infrastructure could be the medical devices, it could be the EMR, it could be a scheduling system, could be pharmaceutical tracking system, right? It could be any of the technologies or all of the technologies get locked up and the hospital no longer has access to those devices. And in many cases, there's a feed to unlock those devices. So the attacker or the bad actor, as I like to call them, will essentially hold those systems ransom. The last thing I'll say about that is even recently, we've seen uh, uh, certain bad actor groups, and they really do operate in groups almost as professional companies, these these hackers. that are exploiting or, or executing what we call triple exploits. Uh, there's a group out there we're talking about these days called Black Cat. There's plenty of groups, Hive and, uh, and others, but Black Cat right now is one of, of concern. They always have to have these kind of scary sounding names, of course. And so Black Cat right now is doing what's called a triple extortion. So they encrypt the hospital's computers so that we can't access them. They demand money to unlock the systems and... They threaten to leak stolen data from those systems and conduct further attacks, what we would call a denial of service attack or other bad uh, attacks on the hospital if they don't get paid. So it's, it's really a very difficult situation that these groups are, are putting our hospitals in today. So, Chris, uh, what I'm getting is it is
1: as bad as what I read on Google, right? Is that, is that what I'm hearing? it's it's not as simple as us having a an antivirus patch that could protect us all from black cat and hive and these things that are um uh some pretty scary maybe give us a perspective give me a perspective on what sedexo's doing what steps are we taking and what accomplishments are we making in this space to really put our hospitals in a safer position? Ultimately, put the patients in a safer position. Help put our minds at ease. What are we doing that's that's really starting to make a difference and shield those patients and those hospitals from these threats?
0: It can be a bit of a of a, a gloomy outlook when you're when you're doing the Google search as we talked about earlier, and you hear about all these stories with black cat and and whatnot. Um, you know, and I, I'm typically a, a glasses half full kind of guy. Um, But, you know, I, I think it is important to recognize, you know, to, to really start start answering this question is, you know, the reality is that we do have some challenges, many challenges with implementing cybersecurity controls in the medical device space. So I'm going to be a little bit of a, a storm cloud here for the next maybe 60 seconds. Um, we have limitations with the medical devices. It's actually not so much on the regulatory side of things. We often hear hospitals say, well, I can't implement a, an antivirus tool because the FDA doesn't allow that on my medical device. That's a misconception, right? The Truth be told, the FDA is very supportive of cybersecurity and patching devices and implementing controls if it's done in a way that's safe. And effective, and in coordination with the device manufacturers. So it's not so much a regulatory challenge; it more has to do with the available tools, the the applications uh, that are out there, and the design of the medical equipment. You know, a lot of these tools, like like McAfee or Semantic, which many of you will have on your you know your your home PC or your work laptop, um, they're very heavy. We call them heavy applications. They take up a lot of memory and RAM and processing power when they run a scan. If you've ever had your computer start a scan when you're trying to get something done, you know it runs a little bit slower, right? And you kind of sit there and you go, oh gosh, we're running a scan. Well, you can imagine if that same thing happens on a medical device, that could potentially create a very dangerous situation in terms of delivering patient care. So today they're, historically, there haven't really been the tools that work well on the medical devices. The good news is, right, and really where Sodexo is is helping our customers address those challenges and work through or above or around those challenges is, is there's some really great opportunity there. We are starting to see um, more regulation in this space. So even just recently, Congress has empowered the FDA Uh, to have more governance and authority to require cybersecurity as part of the pre-market assessment and approval for new medical devices. That's a huge step forward. It's one that we've been pushing for. Sodexo has been a part of the big push to get more uh, federal regulations and, and control over cybersecurity for medical devices. And the FDA is gradually getting more of that enforcement. So we'll start to see better uh, controls, better inherent cybersecurity on our medical devices. Um, we're also starting to see that some of those tools and technologies that would protect our devices are becoming more designed for uh, for medical devices and for other IoT. So it's less noisy or it's a, it's a lighter weight application that won't interfere with the performance of the device. So certain tools out there like Kaseya and Phosphorus and, and any number of really exciting products that are coming into the market. The other thing we have is we have more companies now that are actually partnering with medical device manufacturers specifically to help them build better controls into their products. So UL has has always been at the forefront of really driving better cybersecurity practices in the manufacturing of devices. Other companies like MedCrypt, just to name one, that's really doing some exciting work to help inherently design better medical devices that have more security in them. So again, Sodexo is really here to, to help our customers understand those opportunities and that suite of tools that will work for their medical devices We bring a very flexible offering, so we're all about making sure that we're meeting the customer where they're at. And sometimes, you know, the starting line is just getting started. It it doesn't have to be a huge investment in cybersecurity. And of course, we can build out that roadmap with our partners to figure out how to continuously look at cybersecurity across their environment. Thanks for that, Chris. You know, I think you said a lot of really uh,
1: important things, and, and I do appreciate the dark cloud. I, I like a little bit of the sunshine from the federal regulatory standpoint. I know we're going to have to balance that, though, when we look at cost. And so I really like your last statement when you you you're basically saying hospitals can go into this and and be mindful of the cost that's involved and sort of go in from a standpoint of monitoring cost, but it's that concept of us meeting them where they're at. and and so i'm I'm curious here. Uh, can you walk us through as you've talked about Sodexo? You talked about this sort of background. How is Sodexo actually involved with cybersecurity at the hospital level? Give me, maybe put this in some kind of narration of how Sodexo, from a practical
0: sense, is actually hands on involved. Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, we have the great privilege of working with a lot of different hospitals that are all in different places in terms of size and scope and scale, complexity, budgets, right? Budget is is an important element here. You know, you mentioned, um, you know, finance and being able to afford cybersecurity or invest in cybersecurity as a big concern. Um, and certainly cybersecurity can be very expensive. And you look at large mature organizations um and that's part of the challenge we have is is really helping to understand where our customers are at today um as you can imagine some hospitals are you know keeping keeping things together from a cyber perspective with you know duct tape and a prayer and and really just hoping that that you know that they don't they aren't a victim to to an attack um and and part of our you know our our narrative part of our story that that we really tell with our customers is that you don't need to dive into a a huge, massive investment in cybersecurity right out of the gate. We have a lot of small community hospitals that just don't have the level of uh, investment uh, or even just the ability to really prioritize cybersecurity. But there's not a single hospital in the United States today that doesn't already have the tools that they need to start Practicing better cybersecurity, right? So, we're all about helping our customers use what they have today um, to, to really get started. And so, sometimes that means really just looking at, as you said, what are the devices that are out there? Uh, typically, our HDM programs are focused on the medical devices. So, things that are treating patients, diagnosing patients, or monitoring patients. Those are That's kind of how the FDA defines a medical device. And so we would be managing those, and including cybersecurity is really an extension of the management of those devices. So we really try to drive what I call real talk about cybersecurity. We don't just target the devices we think might be high risk. We, we target the devices that are high risk based on all of our uh risk assessment analysis inventory and some of those early starting places uh in in down the cybersecurity journey um so you know we we certainly would take a a similar approach you know for all medical devices whether it's a, a large MRI or a, or a smaller infusion pump you know we we use something we call the should-do, can-do, will-do cycle, which it really looks at the the standards and, and all of the security controls that we should be applying to the medical device. And then we work with the manufacturer, we do a business impact assessment, and we really identify what can we do. I talked earlier when I was the storm cloud, We I talked about the uh, the limitations that we have. And part of our can-do cycle is really Great, we, we know what we can't do, but what can we do? How do we help this hospital identify all of the great things we can do to mitigate and manage risk on this device? And then we build an action plan. Um, that's the will-do part of that cycle As we build an action plan, we roll the sleeves up, and we're out there in the field partnering with, with the hospital to really implement those cybersecurity practices. So it
1: sounds like there's a real vigilance here. Certainly you have a software component but you have this proactive vigilance being conscious of what exposure exists and actively looking to protect any exposure or, or vulnerabilities. I'm curious, in this situation where a hospital, they, they deploy some form of protection, is, is this sometimes where they have their own form of protection and we still come in and do our healthcare technology management? Or is this a case where they have to engage someone like Sodexo for their healthcare uh, technology management and then we bring the cybersecurity component. Are these all in one? Are these things, they buy them separately? I'm I'm curious how that works because we have maybe 50 to 70% of hospitals are what we call self-operated. How tailored are we? Because you said we're essentially going to meet the client where they're at. Uh, So I'm curious if you can get into that a bit and then maybe give some examples, maybe data of, of how this is really working. Like show us how this really worked. This particular equipment was vulnerable. And as a result of our intervention, here's what uh, the result looked like.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, part of the, the challenge, but also, you know, for, for my team, we, we consider it to be fun of meeting a customer where they're at is that we have to be able to uh, accommodate where the you know where the customer is. We have to be able to take what we know and adapt it as best we can to figure out what's working really well for a customer already. If they have a product or a process that they really like, you know, I'm not here to to sell them something different. If they love the tools that they have, uh, we have many customers that already have some tools and technologies here. Uh, We want them to continue to leverage that. Uh, We want to identify the gaps where we can add value, solve real problems. And obviously it all converges and integrates together to a place where we have a robust program where we are leveraging their existing tools. They're happy with what they have. We're bringing in some additional maturity and filling the gaps and really, again, helping them figure out what that roadmap looks like to continue to be vigilant and stay ahead of cybersecurity. Um, you know, a lot of programs, uh, you know, are kind of rigid and, you know, here's, here's what you get, uh, take it or leave it. You know, we, we do not want to be rigid. We cannot be rigid. We have to be able to support our customers where they are. So, you know, we do have a lot of customers today that have an existing IOMT security solution. And these are great, great tools that are out on the market. Uh, that really give us visibility and monitor our network and kind of tell us what medical devices are out there, um, what vulnerabilities those devices might have. Right. So it's kind of the, the great eye in the sky in terms of being able to see and manage our medical device security risks. We certainly have uh, technology partners in this space. So we're very proud to be partnering with them and we can certainly bring those technologies to any of our customers that are interested, or we can work with a product that they already have, right? So again, we have a lot of flexibility in terms of how we get to the same place, maybe going a different a different path. You know, today we have a lot of devices out in the hospital, all hospitals, that have old and in some cases obsolete software. So operating systems like Windows, that are no longer supported by Microsoft, and those potentially create a risk. But rather than just telling our customers, oh, you need to go out and spend $50 million replacing all of these devices because they have older software, we actually step through. We have a proprietary model that we use to help our customers identify different options for addressing those. In some cases, for example, we may have a device that, yes, it has this obsolete software, But in fact, it's pretty low risk. Maybe it's got other security controls. Maybe it's pretty well designed so that it's really not vulnerable to any attacks, right? That might be something we look at as low risk and and we risk accept. We say we're comfortable with this device in our environment. We have some assets that maybe we can implement some controls and bring that risk level down to an acceptable level, especially if it's a very expensive piece of equipment to upgrade. And or replace, you know, I'm thinking like an MRI or a CT scan. We don't want to recommend that a hospital replaces all of those because they have old software. We'll figure out from that suite of tools and that should do, can do, will do cycle. We'll help our customers figure out how can I make these as secure as possible. And then at the end of that process, we have a small number of devices that are still high risk. And really makes sense to be replaced. And those are the items out of that 50 million, now we've reduced the bucket of must replace down to five million, for example. Um, and we've we've done that with a number of our healthcare customers. And and as you would imagine, the cost avoidance is is always well received in terms of hard and soft value. So Chris, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna interject here because I I wanna I, I
1: wanna put in crystal ball time. So, put your uh, future scan sort of hat on here. Uh, with so much movement to the Internet of Things, we talked about with the increased data in the cloud, with more virtual and telehealth appointments, with everyone wearing you know wearables of some sort that relay health information to physicians. It, does the risk increase? And and if the risk is going to increase, that five million you talked about starts to take on other areas that feel like to me they might leak or might be new points of vulnerability. And and so from a looking forward,
0: you know, what do you see going forward in this space? I love the crystal ball question. And that that's really the right question to be asking because we, you know, we certainly want to deal with what we have today, but we want to be solving tomorrow's problems today, if we can, right? We want to be thinking about where where the industry is going, where are medical devices going, where are hospitals going? Where what are patients and customers, you know, where are their heads at over the next five to 10 years? So I think that's a really important exercise. What one of the things that we're starting to see already, I mentioned the right, you know, advancements in regulation and governance. Um, so I, I won't repeat those, but I, I do see a lot of, I think, positive direction in terms of how we are beginning to require as table stakes more cybersecurity uh, to be able to sell and for hospitals to be able to buy medical devices. I see that as a really positive direction, but one that we as an industry need to continue to push on. And certainly Sodexo is is at the table uh, and and pushing and and arm wrestling where we need to, to make sure that that trend continues. One of the biggest blind spots that I've seen, and I, again, being very positive here, I see it getting better, is there's, you know, there's recently been a rapid increase in the awareness of cybersecurity that hasn't always been matched with a real clear understanding of what it means to have a, a... a practical and sustained cybersecurity program. And that's been a challenge for hospitals to overcome, right? I know I want cybersecurity, but I'm not really sure what that means or what that looks like. I can read all of these standards documents. There's the NIST standards, which are outstanding. ISO, SANS, plenty of guidance from Healthcare Information Sharing Agency, HISAC, and other groups saying, you know, here's kind of what you should be doing, but how to do that has been a major challenge. So part of the work that SEDexo is doing, and I think as an industry we're going to get better at over the next five to 10 years, is really providing more clear guidance to hospitals on how to start, sustain, and grow a cybersecurity program. Not just the should do, but the how to do and that's really something that's very, very important to Sedexo, and we want to see the industry get better at and certainly is really where we are supporting our customers is overcoming that gap from, I know I should do cybersecurity, but I don't know how and I don't know what that looks like. So we're going to see that gap. Uh, certainly uh, evolve, and and I think um, you know certainly greater uh, education and knowledge and just experience with with cybersecurity over the next couple of years. So so Chris, if someone's listening to this podcast, they want to
1: know more about the topic, maybe more about Sedexo, but more specifically the topic. Are there reputable third party organizations or associations that you'd suggest they go look at instead of just the Going out to Google, we talked about. And are there potentially sources that they can look towards regarding funding? Maybe federal grants, state funding, foundations that will support in some way hospitals as they invest more and more in
0: in this area. Great question. There there is an abundance of information out there. Um, you know, again, part of part of what you know my charge is uh, as a leader in cybersecurity is to help hospitals, figure out what the right resources are and maybe cut through some of the noise uh, that's out there. So there's a couple of resources that I think about. You know, these are, this is of course, not a definitive list. These are just what what I've certainly participated in and uh, and I've found to be most useful as, as we've grown our, our offering here at Sodexo. Um, you know, the first one, of course, is uh, Amy, right? So the Association for the Advancement of Medical Instrumentation, very, you know, I think forward thinking, very engaged in cybersecurity, in healthcare. Um, and of course, they have their their big annual conference, which is a great place to talk about cybersecurity here, uh, educational sessions on cybersecurity. Certainly come talk to me at that's the Sedexo booth, at the, uh, the Amy conferences. I've always been very, very appreciative of the work that's being done by the uh, HISAC, I mentioned a moment ago, the Healthcare Information Sharing uh, and Communications Agency, I believe it is, Um, and they do uh, just an incredible amount of work around um, not only bringing together cybersecurity experts, but I think. Pushing the dialogue and the conversations that challenge where we are today, and really with that crystal ball in mind, I think are helping to ask the right questions and have the difficult conversations with all the right leaders at the table to really make sure that our future is is bright and sunny. Uh, so HiSac, which uh, is a membership organization, but it's it's very very affordable. Um, and so I strongly encourage everybody to to take a look at uh and, and become a member at HISAC. Another resource is the the Health Sector Coordinating Council, which is more of a federal entity, but very closely linked and partnered with HISAC and other other organizations in this space. And they're really driving a lot of working groups. It is a bit of alphabet soup in terms
1: of the acronyms and and associations, but I really appreciate you providing those third-party objective groups because I really think we want to ensure folks are getting the right guidance and forming networks and cohorts with individuals like themselves who are faced with the same or similar challenges. I think that's what's going to really accelerate the best sharing of practices, learning. Uh, before we sign off, is there really anything else that we, we, we want to make a point to cover, get across to the podcast audience that they really need to keep in mind. Cause I think we've done a good job of defining the space, really narrowing down to what are we talking about when we say cybersecurity? How does it interact
0: with Sedexa? What role do we play? But anything else that we may have missed. I always think about one of the most important things as a hospital is starting their cybersecurity program is to think about the balance of people, process and technology. So many times in this space, it's easy to dive into the technology and and the tools and all the flashy applications. I think one of the most effective things and one that we we really help our healthcare customers and our partners um, build is maturity first and foremost around people and process. Cybersecurity is driven by people and process. So having the right skilled employees and, and members of the team that understand medical devices and cybersecurity, having development and training pathways for them to, to stay in touch with cybersecurity trends, and then having the processes, the policies, the standard operating procedures, the playbooks. You know, Sodexo, we bring all of that to the table. And once you have that really firm foundation, then you can add technology. We have a philosophy in clinical engineering, and HTM, which is that you know, adding technology very rarely makes things simpler. Adding technology almost always makes things more complex. And there's always benefits to adding technology, but we have to think about, are we adding this technology or this tool onto a solid foundation, or are we adding it on top of a shaky foundation? We don't have the people, we don't have the processes or the policies, the governance. And now, Adding the complexity of that technology layer will will certainly uh, emphasize some of those those areas that that might be weaker or struggling. So, really think about that balance of people, process, and technology. And then the last thing I would say is get started. You know, as I said earlier, there's there every hospital in the United States today has the tools and the knowledge to be able to start a cybersecurity program. It can go at whatever pace you want it to go at. You have to start one foot in front of the other. So don't wait. Uh, don't overanalyze. Get in there. Start collecting data. Start talking to your manufacturers about cybersecurity. Um, and and get started. Thanks for that, Chris. And you know it. It makes me think of the former TV show
1: um, where they talk about phoning a friend. I think this is one of those times where you have to say. In addition to everything you just shared phone a friend and, and Sodexo wants to be that friend, but if not go to those trade associations and make certain you're leveraging the learnings of, of other hospitals in this space, because everybody's at a different point on the spectrum. I, I think all of that and everything you shared sort of helps tie together where Sodexo is and, and what we're trying to do to make things safer ultimately. And I re- I just appreciate the journey you've been on and the work you're doing in in the space with Sodexo and, and look forward to continued growth and development of, you know, any kind of technology that will help protect the patients and the hospitals we serve. So thank you, Chris, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, David. It's, it's been fun and uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.